The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, January 24th, 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Well, Happy New Year to everybody, 2022, to all my fans and listeners. My wish for all of us is that we have peace of mind, good health, and loving relationships, and of course, continued prosperity. You know, lots going on, and uh, I find by having an attitude of gratitude, I can get through most days feeling good about life, and I like to wish folks a Happy New Year for the whole month of January. It's kind of one of my traditions. Well, this morning I have a very special guest with me. Joining me on the phone will be Gilda Gonzalez, CEO of Planned Parenthood of Northern California. We're going to talk about Roe uh, versus Wade and what is happening right now at the Supreme Court, which is really a pivotal moment in women's history and their right to choose. You know, I have said this over and over and over again. I'm not for abortion. I'm not against abortion. I'm in a support of the constitutional right for women to have choice and to be able to make choice for their own bodies and their own lives. We're going to play a very, very special song by Sandy Rapp called Remember Rose, uh, which is a choice song, which really, really explains that. Well, you know, something very interesting happened to me the other day. Uh, it was Saturday, actually, January 22nd, and the paper that I was reading was the Press Democrat. And on one page, they had a cartoon. You know, the cartoon uh, depicted a program, I guess, some information that they were giving on the uh, television program, 60 Minutes. And what the cartoon says is, a child is shot in America every hour of every day. And they have a little boy, it looks like, uh, looks like he's been shot kind of in a fetal position. I mean, it's really very, very sad when you look at it. And then on the next page, I couldn't believe this, on the opinion page, the last, they, there's a headline, The Last Anniversary of Roe. Well, you know, on Saturday, which was January 22nd, it marked the 49th anniversary of the Supreme Court decision uh, in Roe versus Wade. And it's really very interesting that here we're at the Supreme Court now that they're discussing the matter of a constitutional choice, and yet we can't even get any gun control, and children are being shot in the... I mean, just look at some of the shootings that we've had in the past several years. I mean, it's mind-boggling. And yet here we are fighting for the fetus who has, you know, it's just a kind of a membrane. And children are dying all over the place. They're dying from lack of food, from homelessness, uh, from uh, lack of education, from lack of medical you know, we have to start thinking about these things. So we think it's very important that we have this conversation with Planned Parenthood. 
Another thing that's been very, very interesting is watching the news and seeing all the different things that are coming out about this insurrection. I mean, very, very important what's happening. And people need to call their representatives. They need to call their representatives and say that we need to continue to have this uh, committee. We have to continue to have uh, people looking at what is what went on on January 6th. And also to call your representatives about the uh, Roe versus Wade, that we have to keep that, that we have to keep it in place for women to have the right to choose. You know, one of the lines in Sandy Rapp's song is, Get your hands off my body. It's my body. It's my life. You know, that is very important to recognize. So I'm really looking forward to this interview. And then I see these signs, bans off our bodies around abortion. You know, it's unconstitutional. And of course, no justice, no peace. If we don't have justice for women, how are we going to have any kind of peace? And it's so important that we have choice. I don't understand why people cannot understand that it's all about choice. It's not about killing children. I mean, it's, it's not. It's about choice. It's about understanding that women have to have the right to decide whether they're going to have families or not, whether this is the right thing to do or at this point is not the most productive thing to do. You know, you, you watch these young people, they walk around with signs, and one of the signs that I saw about, about five or six years ago that I really have been thinking about for the past almost decade, no justice, no peace. You can't have peace without justice. You really can't. Well, as I always do, our history is our strength. You know, and there's a quite a few, quite a few women that we're celebrating today. One of my favorite women, in fact, uh, I learned about her her several several years ago. She was born on January third, excuse me, January twenty third, nineteen twenty one, and she made her transition in nineteen ninety four. And her name was Maria Gumbadis. She's the author. Immigrated to Boston again with uh, Luther, Lutheran beliefs and rituals, folklore, and ancient practices and she wrote oh this these wonderful books she wrote the prehistory of modern europe in 1956 and the civilization of the goddess in 1994 and that's when i first <clears throat> heard about her was when i saw the book this the uh, civilization of the goddess and it was amazing amazing that way way back when you know, and there was actually matriarchs instead of patriarchs where women were revered. And why were they revered? Because they went through this magical mystery thing called giving birth to a child. You know, it's it's really, really interesting when you think about it. So happy birthday to Maria Gumbadis. Really an amazing, amazing woman who brought the goddess forward. I remember when I was at Sonoma State, we were studying uh, women's history and this came forward. I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a goddess when I was growing up. I mean, times really have changed, but we have to hold on to what we have. Another interesting birthday I think is very, very important is a woman that was born in uh, January 24th, 1968, and she is still alive, uh, Mary Lou Retton. She's the first and only American woman to win a gold medal in the all-around gymnastics at the Olympic Olympics in 1984 and the first American woman to win a gold medal in gymnastics and the first woman 
this is hysterical when you go into these history things and you find these things. She was the first woman to be on the Wheaties cereal package. Can you believe that? That's uh, Mary Lou Retton, <laughs> the first woman to be on the Wheaties. I, I don't know. You know, they used to have the – wasn't Wheaties the breakfast of champions? That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, another woman that I think is very, very interesting and really has a lot to do, you know, we are a bilingual station here in KBBF. On January, where we are recording the show, uh, on January 25th, 1896, and she made her transition in 1997, was Helen Heffernan. She was a strong supporter of United Nations education, a bilingual education, recognized that children who were interned in World War II needed health and family services. So she was an advocate for children and she was an advocate for bilingual education. You know, especially how important that is, you know, particularly in California. You know, California, we have language... uh, Spanish is most of the time is people's first language and oftentimes second languages with the English speaking people because the state is, an, a, you know, it was once part of, of uh, Mexico. So that's a, a language, Spanish. And here she supported the idea of having bilingual education. Very, very important. And, you know, that wasn't too long ago. It really wasn't. And just think of the opportunities that they gave that children, the children that were able to go to these schools that were bilingual. Well, here's another thing, and I, I brought this up a while back. You know, we used to think, we used to think that Amelia Earhart, this white woman, was the one who made the first flight uh, across the nation. And it wasn't, it was not Amelia Earhart. And happy birthday to Bessie Coleman, who was born January 26, 1892, and made her transition in 1926. Bessie Coleman was the first African American woman in the air to fly a plane and earn an international pilot's license. It's amazing. Our history is our strength. You know, one of the things that I'm finding out that is so intense for me is finding out how many contributions that African-American women made to the country and how we didn't learn about it in school. And it's so interesting with the fight right now. They don't want people to have this, uh, what do they call it, uh, Ken? It's... uh, it's uh, the uh, what do they call it the the system that they're they're fighting now to to talk about history black history it's amazing critical race theory yeah Chris, the, what is it called critical race the theory. critical race theory i mean come on we've got to teach our children about history they have got to understand this you know what do we want to do go backwards it's very interesting. I was telling uh, Ken, I had oh, I had a very emotional experience. I was on the uh, I was on the computer about a week ago, and all of a sudden, what comes up? But this name of this town called Elaine, Arkansas. Whew. I thought, wow, there's a city named after me, Elaine, Arkansas. So I did some research, and all I can say, there's a Jewish word, all I can say is oy vey. That's all I can say. I found out all the interesting things about Elaine, Arkansas. You know, it turned out there was a gentleman by the name of Robert Hill who wanted to form a union, a union for the black uh, workers that were picking cotton in the fields. Why did he want to form a union? Well, I'll give you an example. Say, for example, you picked $500 worth of cotton. 
you would turn it over to the you it was they, they were sharing the land you would turn it over to the owner of the land expecting to get your 500 he say oh no you already owe 567 dollars at the community store for all the food you bought or whatever and before you know it the farmer has nothing well that's a hard pill to swallow you know, think about that. You're working in the fields. It's hot. It's labor. I mean, it's it's intense work. I mean, my back just hurts thinking about it. And you want a decent wage. You want to be able to feed your family. You want to have, you know, just the, the little things in life. You know what I'm saying? And and all of a sudden, it's all taken away from you. And you're you're bound by that. You you have you're kind of stuck in that position. Here comes this gentleman and says, "We're going to form a union. We're going to get some decent prices." What did he? Why did he learn? What did he learn about the unions? Because at that time, Chicago. My father actually was involved in Chicago and the riots they had around unions. He showed me a, a scar on his head and told me, he says, I'll never met a boss who ever would give me a raise without a fight. And that's what the unions were for, to represent the workers so they can get a decent wage so they could take care of their family. Well, the white folks in that community did not like it, and there was an intense riot for days. You know, one person was killed, and then all of a sudden there were several, several people killed. 22 black people went to jail because of it, and two white people went to jail because of it. Plus, half the town was destroyed. I thought, oh, my God, this is what's named after me, Elaine, Arkansas. And I thought, well, maybe I needed to find it because I needed to find another example of how important it is that not only we have equal rights for not only women but for all but also how important it is our vote is and how interesting it is is how they're always trying to take the vote away or make it harder and harder for black people to vote. It's very interesting to me. And I think what's happened with all this voting stuff that's going on is because during this last election, so many people turned out to vote in spite of the pandemic. They still showed up. So there's a lot to think about, and uh, my heart goes out to all those people in Elaine, Arkansas, that suffered through that horror. And to think that my name was attached to it was just was mind-boggling to me. Actually, after I finished watching the film, there were two films, part one and part two, I couldn't stop crying. And why was I crying? I was crying because I, I just could not understand how one human being could do something so horrific to another human being, and that's taking their rights away or not allowing them to earn a decent wage or to harm them or keep them in poverty. I mean, it's really a sad, sad situation. You know, I think of our money. You know, on the money it says, one nation under God. Well, who's God? It's supposed to be a, a Christian God, I imagine. And Jesus himself said, what you do to the least of them, you do to me. But nobody seems to understand that. So it's very important that as a culture, as a people, particularly as women, because we bring women, women bring children into the world. You know, in my poem, I am woman, I am all women. I go beyond religion. I go beyond color. Since the beginning of time, a child has been born through my body. And I want a better world for all the children because if one child is in jeopardy, remember, 
all children are in jeopardy. Well, that's a lot to think about, but like I always say, Women's Spaces, that's what the show is all about, to give us things to be aware of and to think about and to ask ourselves, what can I do to make this world a better place for all the children? Well, we're going to take a musical break. And I'm so thrilled to be able to have a wonderful guest like Gilda Gonzalez to talk about Planned Parenthood, to talk about what their services are, to give us a little bit of history, and maybe to explain what's going on with the Supreme Court and what they're trying to pass. And I found an amazing song, an amazing song. It's called Remember Rose, and it's a song by uh, sung by uh, Sandy Rapp. Actually, we had Sandy Rapp on a few about a month ago. Sandy Rapp is a songwriter, activist, and author of God's Country: A Case Against the Rockistry, uh, printed by the Howard Press in 1991. You know, her best known song is "Remember Rose," a song for choice. And it actually features a guest vocal by late Congresswoman Bella Asberg, a Democrat from New York. What does it say? I don't think that's her name. Asberg's Democrat from New York and recounts the first backstreet abortion fatality of the 1977 Medicaid Medicaid, uh, abortion cutoff. And what happened was there was a big debate whether, you know, it should be part of Medicaid or Medi-Cal. You know, it's just just been a wild ride for abortion, that's for sure. And it's really not about abortion. It's about a constitutional right. It's about a woman's right to control her own body and her own life and her own destiny. You don't need the government in there telling you what to do. You know, and if it's against religion, if it's against your belief, then don't have an abortion. That's the whole idea of it. Don't have it if you don't want it. But don't deny another person, another woman, from making that choice for herself. So let's go ahead, can and play Remember Rose. And when we come back, we will be talking with Gilda Gonzalez from Planned Parenthood. Rosa Jimenez Finally turned up dead So the paper said Texas Finally turned up dead After Medicaid Restrictions took her choice away Televangelists And the politics Made Jenny Jimenez An orphan Praying in the light Bombing in the night They wave their roses red But Rose is dead Get your laws off me I'm not your property Don't plan my family I'll plan my own I don't want to be In your theocracy Remember liberty Remember Rose By the way of Rose And the ones that went Before her 
there's a course to set Present and direct Because the chill wind blows and roses dead Get your laws off me I'm not your property Don't plan my family I plan my own I don't want to be In your theocracy Remember liberty Remember roads Many more will go By the way of Rose By the way of Rose And the ones that went And the ones that went before her Unless a course is set Unless a course is set Present and direct and direct Because the chill wind blows and Rose is dead Get your laws off me I'm not your property Don't plan my family, I'll plan my own I don't want to be in your theocracy Remember liberty, remember rose Get your laws off me, I'm not your property Don't plan my family, I'll plan my own Wow, wow, wow. Remember, Rose, get your hands off my body. (laughs) I'm not your property. I love that. Well, for you just joining in, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. And before I go into my, uh, introduce my guest, I want to apologize to Bella. It's Bella Apsuk. That's uh, how we pronounce her name. Anyway, welcome back. You are listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me on the phone is Gilda Gonzalez, the CEO of Planned Parenthood in Northern California. Welcome, Gilda. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, I'm really honored to have you on, particularly with all that's going on in the United States around the right to choose, that I would like to tell our folks just a little bit about you. Is that okay? Yes, please. Gilda Gonzalez is the CEO of Planned Parenthood Northern California since June of 2017. She is the first Latina to serve as the CEO of a California Planned 
Parenthood affiliate. Ms. Gonzalez initially joined uh, Planned Parenthood in February of 2014 as a senior VP of External Affairs. She has a long history of public and community serving in leadership positions, which included the CEO of the Unity Council, a nonprofit organization in Central East Oakland, legislation staff of the State Assembly, and served, excuse me, served on the board, a member of the Oakland Commission and Alameda County's first five commissions. Currently, she is a member of the National Planned Parenthood Federation of the American Board. She has a master's in public administration from CSU East Bay and a Bachelor of Science in Industrial Psychology. Wow, Gilda, from St. Mary's College of California. Gilda is the recipient of the Amer- of the Alameda County Women's Hall of Fame inductee, San Francisco Business Times Influential Woman, Forever Influential. She currently lives in Oakland with her husband, Ken Wysocki. Welcome, well, uh, Gilda. That is quite a resume, and I've only done half of it. Is there anything that you would like to add? No, that that did it. It it exhausts me to hear it. Well, I know. You know, it's very interesting. When people introduce you, you have to say, is that really me? (laughs) Anyway, congratulations on becoming the, you know, forever influential. I love that. Well, you you know, to begin with, you know, before we get into what's happening with all the things at the Supreme Court, let's talk about a little bit of history of Planned Parenthood and its mission. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, thank you. So the National Planned Parenthood Federation is made up of 49 independent affiliates across the country. And most people try to refer to it as one entity, but again, there's 49 independent affiliates across the country. And Planned Parenthood Northern California, as we also say, PP NorCal, you'll hear me say that in reference to us, is one of the most progressive and innovative Planned Parenthood affiliates in the United States. Um, our initial one-county service area has grown steadily over the past five decades to include 19 other counties from San Francisco to the Oregon border. And more than 88% of our patients live at or below 200% of federal poverty level. And with an overwhelming majority, around 81% of our patients qualify for subsidized Service through services through Medicaid programs, and 9% are self-pay. And we offer a full spectrum of sexual reproductive care at 17 health centers. And we also are leaders in gender-affirming hormone therapy, infertility screening services, and we're the first Planned Parenthood affiliate to go on EPIC, which is the premier patient electronic health record system. And if that's not enough, we also are advancing a bold agenda of diversity, equity, and inclusion to achieve health equity. Our doors are truly open to anyone, regardless of your income, gender, immigration, or insurance status. Well, when I look at the when I look at the total picture, all I can say is, in all capital letters, needed program. <laughs> well, the, ne- the next thing that I'd like to know is, you know, because this is a women's show and the whole idea is to encourage women, ordinary women doing extraordinary things to share their stories and to, to give other women the confidence. So talk a little bit about about your background and how you, what attracted you to Planned Parenthood and what are some of the hopes that you have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. So, um, 
I uh, grew up in the Central Valley of California, and um, my parents uh, both uh, worked in the fields. They both were born in, and raised in Texas and did not receive their high school um, degrees until they were in their 40s. They got GEDs. And I remember my mother encouraging us, uh, all of me and my four other siblings, to get education, and that was the way forward from our low-income uh, status as, uh, as a family. And I didn't need much convincing. I, For some reason, I got that in my head very early, early on in my life in terms of uh, leadership and advancing myself and, and really being my true self. So I did go to college. I was uh, first-generation low-income to go to college in my family. And um, while I was in college, I had a lot of uh, friends of mine who were similar to me, where they were first-generation to go to college. But then when I saw a, a year or two into um, school was people getting pregnant and, and, and having to leave uh, college. And I was definitely scared of this possibility. And so I looked at Planned Parenthood and walked through the doors and actually walked through the doors of the affiliate that I now run over 30 years ago. Oh, my God. And um, <laughs> I felt the moment I got the care, when I walked through the doors, I finally felt empowered to control my fertility and my future in a manner that I desired. And the care uh, I received allowed me to fulfill academic and professional goals uninterrupted that led me to this place where I could become the CEO of the affiliate 30 years later. I'm a feminist, and to my core, I believe all people should have the right to determine what is in their best interest. Not church, not government, not even your family, you and unto yourself. And for me, Planned Parenthood advances this philosophy every day. I wouldn't be doing anything else in my life right now. Well, this and I'll tell you, Gilda, that is an amazing story. I mean, particularly when here you end up 30 years later, <laughs> you know, and also it gives you that feeling. And, and the fact that even at such a young age that you had the, the understanding of how pregnancy sometimes can stop you and that oftentimes because it stops you that that becomes an unwanted child that's a whole bunch of other problems that are involved. That's well, right. Well, I want to... And, and Lane, on, on that point, and then I, I also chose to be child-free all of my life. And and that was that was made possible by having the education. It, I wasn't called. To be a mother, and so that also is, um, I think, a truth, a personal truth that people need to explore for themselves. Very important. Well, before before we get into the uh, actual the court cases that are going on, I just want to I want to bring something to your attention. An interesting thing happened on Saturday in our our local paper. They had a cartoon for sixty minutes that said a child is shot in America every hour of every day, and then on the next page, the last anniversary of Roe. And I looked at that and I thought to myself, I said, there's nothing happening around gun control, nothing at the Supreme Court that I know of that in the past several years. I mean, it's very, very difficult. In fact, there are women from Sandy Hook or mothers are still struggling to kind of get some attention. And yet here, the last anniversary of Roe, where they're trying to uh, control women's choice, you know, and then also when I read, um, when I read actually Roe versus Wade, which was very shocking to me, I felt 
found out that they that actually in the law itself there was kind of a balancing where they said the first three months a woman could have an abortion on her own. After from three months to uh, I think it was six months, she had to be under doctor's care. And after at a certain point that that there was no way unless the child and the mother were in danger. So can you kind of address? I mean, here we have this this issue around gun controls that we can't get any any issues going. And here in the Roe versus Wade itself, there are also conditions to control how a woman and what at what per times that she has it. Can you talk a little bit about that, what your thoughts are, and why you think this kind of attitude or these ideas have brought forward what's happening today? Well, Elaine, there's a lot to unpackage there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I would start with the notion of misogyny. And um, and from the foundation of the the way this whole United States was created, that the laws were laid down uh, to benefit, particularly you know men and uh, and men's property, and so I think we can kind of do a, a thread line of those laws and who is marginalized, who is disadvantaged, because now we see a full spectrum. is not only women. We see communities of color. We see immigrants. We see people with physical uh, disability. I mean, there's a whole host, right, of when we take a look of who's at disadvantage. And then the other issue around gun rights, and so those were embedded in early, right? So those were the preferred uh, laws uh, to advance. So I think you have to you have to pull it back from the very beginning and see why we have these types of uh, disparate rights and laws for whom and which community. It's all very evident to me once you take a look towards the past. Well, also, when, when I looked at this cartoon, <clears throat> excuse me, I looked at this cartoon, and then the next the next thing is the last anniversary of Woe, I thought, God, it's so clear. And, and I don't understand why many people don't understand that and that more women are not standing up, especially right now. I mean, if we're going to lose the right to choose, I mean, that is so unconstitutional. You know, it's just, it, it's, you know, amazing to me. Well, thank you for answering it that way. You know, it, it's it's just a real problem, and I think it's a problem particularly with men in control. I mean, that's 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 what it looks like to me. I mean, I, you know, women, since we had gotten the right to choose, we have made many, many strides, and I think mm-hmm. there's a – I think they don't like that. <laughs> right. Well, this – Well, and that we also have a very uh, – an agenda, a very um, conservative religious – ideology that's influencing uh, a lot of decision making so that's also another factor in all of this that we must take an honest look at well especially when the when a, somebody as high as the pope tells you that he's disappointed in women because they're they're choosing dog animals over children i mean that's uh, that was an amazing an amazing statement to make actually when you think about it well let Let's let's get into let's get into uh, what's happening with Texas. So can you can you share your thoughts about what you're seeing happen in Texas with SB eight, you know, and and also the possibility of SCOTUS a decision regarding Dobbs.
Dobbs. Uh, I believe it's Dobbs uh, versus. Um, let me just get this. Jackson. Yeah. And, and yes. you know, in light in light of that, what I read at the beginning, you know, when I read before just a few seconds ago here about the idea of the of the balancing, what I don't understand is that the balancing here, they're, they're going to six weeks. And what's the difference between six weeks and 12 weeks? You know, all these different things that are playing into it that I really don't understand. So if you could explain, explain that, I would really appreciate it. And, mm-hmm. and why is a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. So, um, so in fact, we are seeing a dangerous trend of restricting abortion in our country, and I think it, it's it's easy and evident to say that since 1973, there has been a concerted effort to chip away, and it now we have now reached that moment of its real vulnerability. Uh, we are. Uh, what a post-Roe world looks like in Texas, uh, where the Supreme Court has allowed SB 8 to stand effectively banning abortion at approximately six weeks. And if Roe is overturned, abortion access could end in about half of the country. Abortion could be uh, immediately at risk in 12 states where they already have trigger bans that exist and an additional 14 states could move to ban or severely limit abortion in the weeks that follow. And that's possible because the tenets of Roe gave states uh, the authority to, or mandated that the states did not have the authority to restrict abortion and put limits onto that. So if it is reversed, then states do have the ability to put these restrictions in place. And um, so if this begins to happen, we obviously will see a tremendous influx of patients coming to California. And it could, it could increase from 46,000 to almost 1.4 million of reproductive age individuals needing to travel to California for abortion care. Well, we're going it's to t- unimaginable. We're going to talk at the second. And we'll, I want to take a little bit further ahead. We'll take a musical break, and then we'll talk all about what California is doing. Mm-hmm. Can you? What, what is a CA FAB console? You know that. What is what is that all about? And how is mm-hmm. that helping? Uh, maybe uh, give more education or clarify things for people. Mm-hmm. So the California. Future of Abortion Council, so California Fab Council, was created in response to Texas SBA and this threat, uh, the Mississippi 15-week ban that was heard, had oral arguments in December of, in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. And so this uh, council was created by uh, the gathering of 40 California organizations, including all of the seven California Planned Parenthood affiliates, and with the support of Governor Newsom. And this council collaborated to identify potential state challenges and recommended solutions that we can continue to provide stability and sanctuary for Californians and anyone who comes uh, from out of state for abortion care and um, and so we're really thankful for having a governor who truly believes in um, in reproductive freedom and the strong relationships among allies in the reproductive movement 
so that we can come together. And as you can imagine, you know, many of these organizations have different roles. And so to bring people who do different things to come together to agree on a blueprint is amazing and shows you how seriously California is taking its role to be a beacon of hope, not only for Californians, but for people who may have to come to us for care. That's amazing. You know, I I really want to get into that. Like I said, we'll do that after we'll take the musical break. But I want to go back a little bit and just get a little clarity. What was this Jackson's Women's Health Organization? What exactly? What is the case? What are What are they bringing mm-hmm. forward? Yeah. So um, it is. It the core of it is um, the Mississippi 15 week ban, and so where Texas put in a six six week ban. This is a 15-week ban. So I'm just going to give the real high-level uh, cliff notes. And so it is a challenge to um, the uh, ability for Mississippi to say that they were imposing a ban on any patient getting an abortion at the 15-week mark. And so that's the oral argument that uh, the Supreme Court justices uh, considered on December 1, we are waiting to hear their decision by any time between March and before July. And um, as many of your audience knows, that we now have a supermajority, very conservative Supreme Court justice, and um, we are holding our breath for that decision. And again, if Mississippi is empowered to continue this 15-week ban, it then signals to the other states I alluded to who want to do the same to start deteriorating or banning abortion care altogether. Well, well, you know, that's, that's what's so interesting to me because I'm looking at this balance that they talked about in Roe versus Wade. And they said that it's the first three months, which is what, four times three is 12 weeks. Now, what is, what's the difference between it, this 12-week issue and this 15-week ban? I mean, is the ban – I don't understand that. So, so I'm not a physician, but, okay. uh, you know, this is the conversation. For us, abortion is abortion. And patients uh, who, who need or want abortion, that is up to themselves and their medical care provider. And so I'm with you. I, I, I get your question about what, what's, you know, what's the difference. For us, for me personally, there is no difference. Abortion care is abortion care. And uh, at any stage of one's pregnancy, different things may or may not occur. And that is, it should always be the patient and their medical care provider making the decisions in the best interest of the patient. Right. Get get your hands off my body. The government doesn't have to be involved. I mean, it it and the church doesn't have to be involved. I mean, it's it, I was ta- I was having a conversation with somebody about oh, if, if you have an abortion, you're going to be punished. I says, you know, if the woman makes that choice and that's going to happen, that's none of my business. You know, she has a right to make that choice if she wants to take. If she really believes that, then she's not going to do it. I mean, it's it's her choice. That's a, that's the whole point. Well, Gilda, I would like to take a musical break and. 
and then I would like to talk about uh, California pa- Planned Parenthood, what you plan to do with all these different issues that you we have just talked about, particularly women coming in for uh, you know for abortions from outside of the state. So can you hang in with me a little bit more? Oh, we're going to play absolutely. A, we're going to play a song that one of my favorite songs, and it's it's a reminder to women. It's called "Standing on the Shoulders," and it's sung by Earth Mama and. What is so important about this song is to recognize how many women's shoulders we're standing on. And when it comes to abortion, you know, I I always think of the story of my aunt, you know, how she almost died after having three children, her husband having a nervous breakdown, and she could not, the thought of having another child was horrendous. And here she goes and gets a backdoor, a backstreet abortion, and almost died. And that was my inspiration. And we're standing on the shoulders of women like that who went through those experiences and the other women who are willing to stand up and march and go through all the things that we went through to bring a woman's right to choose forward. So let's go ahead and play Standing on the Shoulders, sung by Earth Mama. And when we return, I will continue my wonderful conversation with Gilda Gonzalez, the CEO of Planned Parenthood, Northern California. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about what California is doing to help women who want to come from other states to handle whatever issues they have. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play Standing on the Shoulders. I am standing on the shoulders of the ones who for me, I am stronger for their courage, I am wiser for their words, I am lifted by their longing for a fair and brighter future, I am grateful for their vision, for their toiling on this earth.
That song is amazing. I just want to mention to folks that are listening that this song is actually one of the songs that was chosen for the 100th anniversary of When Women Got the Vote. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And on the phone with me is Gilda Gonzalez, the CEO of Planned Parenthood of California. And now we're going to talk about Planned Parenthood and some of the services they have and what they're offering for folks coming from out of state. Welcome back, Gilda, and Thank you so much for hanging in there with me. Mm-hmm. Well, how is California Planned Parenthood leading the way to, as uh, what we what you're coining? And I love this a reproductive freedom state. I would also like to go a reproductive slash choice freedom state. <laughs> well, well, thank you for sharing that song. I, I just I have to acknowledge that um, because um, it is so true that those who came. Before us, I know that I um, benefited from that. And uh, the countless uh, women who lost their lives uh, for whatever reason, uh, botched procedures or being on the front lines of the struggle, uh, it, is, it is just um, such a critical moment to acknowledge that and to be humbled and to be grateful for past generations and then to really own each and every one of our role in doing the, state, the same for the generations to come for the future. And I think that is at the core of our reproductive freedom state work here in California, that PP NorCal and all of the partners that are involved understand this moment, and we have to pave the way forward uh, for the next generation, and we've done so with this California Future of Abortion Council. And the blueprint has been made public, uh, and it is available uh, if you are to just Google that, California Future of Abortion Council blueprint. And it focuses on seven key areas. One, uh, how we can invest in abortion funds and infrastructure to support patients seeking abortions. Two, address cost barriers and adequate reimbursement for abortion services. Three, invest in a diverse California abortion provider workforce and increase training opportunities, especially for people of color, healthcare professionals. And four, reduce administrative and institutional barriers to care. Five, legal protections for abortion patients, providers, and supporting organizations and individuals. Six, addressing misinformation and ensuring access to medically accurate, culturally relevant, and inclusive education about abortion. And seven, use data to conduct research and distribute reports to assess and inform abortion care and education needs in California. So very, very key seven elements of this report. We are now moving forward. The governor has introduced uh, the state budget, and bills are being introduced in Sacramento that should now reflect some of those seven issues that have been highlighted by this council. So lots and lots of work has already happened, but more work is underway. Wow, that is absolutely amazing. 
I mean, we're standing on your shoulders and the shoulders of this wonderful, this wonderful organization that California is that progressive to come forward with those kind of uh, ideas and, and put money and power behind it. It's amazing. Congratulations. I mean, that's all I can say. I mean, and I didn't, you know, until this, it's, it's so interesting to me until this interview. I had no idea what was going on. So I really appreciate, appreciate so much you giving us this information. And can I get that information off of their website so we can put it on our website? Or is there any special way? Or can you email me something? Yes, I, I will send you the full report. And yeah, please. And you can make it available to your audience. Oh, yes. please. That would just be wonderful. Well, talk about how we've got all these things in set, but how are you preparing? I mean, are they opening more offices? What What are they doing in preparation? And are they sending the word out to other states? I mean, how is the word getting out about this? Yeah, so the simple answer is that uh, PP NorCal, which is our affiliate, is focused on strengthening our capacity and infrastructure in order to ensure that Californians and people coming from other states get the care that they need and want. And obviously, there is many complexities uh, to achieving our readiness. Um, but ultimately, we are very cognizant of the urgency. Uh, this is evident according to the Guggenmacher Institute um, that that showed that in 2021 it was one of the worst years for abortion rights since 1973 with uh, more than 106 abortion restrictions and 12 bans on abortion that had been enacted in 19 states. And these bans disproportionately harm communities of color and other marginalized groups. And if Roe is overturned, the Guttmacher report states that California will once again see a, a 1.4 million uh, new individuals coming for abortion care, basically 3,000% increase. And that will have a real significant impact to Californians because of the strain on the services and the demand for services. So this is really, really um, urgent for us to address all the barriers so that we can scale up, if needed, in a very, very uh, rapid manner. Well, time goes by very quickly when you're on the radio. We have about a minute left here. The, the programs, the segment is coming to an end. And I would like to know what can individual people do to support uh, the coming, uh, you know, people coming from the state? How can they support uh, Planned Parenthood, Northern California? And also uh, any final words and website that you would like to share that we can go mm-hmm. to? you got about a minute. A minute. Uh, sure, I'll do it quickly. So to find out more information, go to www.ppnorcal. So that's www.ppnorcal.org. And again, I want to thank you, Elaine, for the opportunity to speak with you and your audience. I hope everyone listening has a better understanding of this moment and how imperative it is for us to work together to protect patients' right to abortion and a quality reproductive health care. We need to work together to champion this right for Californians and those forced to come to California from out of state. And I want you all to know this fight is not over. With your support, California has the opportunity to lead the nation in being a beacon of hope 
and doing what's right. Well, Gilda Gonzalez, you've made a follower out of me very strongly. I'm anything that we can do for Northern California Planned Parenthood, please feel feel free to please contact me. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on and for explaining it so clearly. I understand a lot more than when I walked in the station today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that's it for our show. A special thank you to Gilda Gonzalez, the CEO of Planned Parenthood in Northern California. A reminder, all the information that we shared on the show will be listed on www.womenspaces.com. Also, if you have a birthday or an anniversary that's coming up, please let me know. I'm happy to announce it. And also, I'm available for speaking engagements. And please support your community radio station. And A last reminder, remember, our children are the future, and we must never lose sight of of that. This is Elaine Behold. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. She knows everything you do because a woman in your life you. previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, January 24th, 2022.